Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be his kingdom. Let us pray. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to remain standing for our song of praise. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name 
Increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the reading of Holy Scripture. Please join me in reading the 119th Psalm. We will read responsively from the bulletin. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore does my soul keep them. When your word goes forth, it gives light and understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and drew in my breath. For my delight was in your commandments. Oh, look upon me and be merciful unto me, as you always do for those who love your name. Order my steps according to your word, and so shall no wickedness have dominion over me. Oh, deliver me from those who deal wrongfully, and so shall I keep your commandments. Show the light of your countenance upon your service, servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes gush out water because of those who do not keep your law. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. As dawn was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, but they didn't know it was Jesus. He said to them, children, have you any fish? And they said, no. And he said, cast it out on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some. And when they cast the net on the right side, they could not haul in the net because of the quantity of fish. Now, the disciple whom Jesus loved looked at Peter and said, oh, it's the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say it was the Lord, he wrapped himself in his outer cloak and threw himself into the sea for he had been stripped for work. And the other disciples followed behind, dragging the large net full of fish. They weren't far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they came to the shore, they found a charcoal fire with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said, come bring some of the fish that you just caught. And so Peter climbed aboard the boat and hauled the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. And the net was not broken despite the large number of fish. And Jesus said, come 
have breakfast. And nobody said, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus took the bread and gave it to them, as well as the fish. And this was the third time that Jesus had appeared and revealed himself to the disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired your servant John to record these words of Scripture. We believe these words not only had power in the day that John wrote them, but these words have power today because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, open this, your word for us now that we would be changed more and more to be like Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. I want Jesus to reveal himself to me in my hardest moments, just like he reveals himself to Peter and the disciples in theirs. I want Jesus to reveal himself to me in my hardest moments, just like he reveals himself to Peter and the disciples in this moment. You see, Peter and the disciples are in a hard spot. They're in a difficult place. It's just following the resurrection. And though they've seen the glory of Jesus raised from the dead, there clearly is a sense of unsettledness to Peter, a sense of disorientation, a sense of not knowing what to do next. And we know this because in verse 3, Peter says, in John 21, if you're with me, Peter says in verse 3, I'm going fishing. And it's not a side comment. It's not just a distraction. What did Peter do before he followed Jesus? He was a fisherman. Peter is effectively going back to his former profession. It seems that the last few days have had such an impact on Peter that despite all the things he'd seen in those last three years, called away from his fishing vessel, called to be a disciple of Jesus, called in Matthew 16 with the new name Peter, which means rock, on this rock I'll build my church, and after a threefold denial of Jesus at the time of his trial, Peter is thinking clearly that rockiness didn't take with me. And effectively, Peter is going back to what he knows. He's going back to fishing. And the disciples say, yeah, we'll go with you too. We don't know what to do either. They're not yet on mission. They're not yet out, out in the world doing the work that Jesus called them to. They go back to their fishing boats. And in that place of hardship, that place of disorientation, that place of confusion, Jesus reveals himself to them. That's what this whole passage is about, revealing. Three times in our story today, the word reveal comes up. Verse one, two times. This is again how Jesus revealed himself to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself this way. He made manifest his presence to these disoriented, confused disciples in a moment of hardship. And of course, John, the beloved disciple in verse 7, you know, when he sees the miraculous catch of fish, says, oh, it's the Lord. You know, and again at verse 12, when they sit down for breakfast, no one says, who are you? They realize it's the Lord. He's manifested himself. He's revealed himself to these disciples in a hard place and their lives will never be the same. 
He met them in their hardship. You see, our world is going through a time of deep hardship. I feel it especially in the evenings. You know, you can't go onto your phones and check the news apps after 10 o'clock. That's just, I think, a good rule, a proverb for today. Just don't go on your news apps after 10 o'clock at night. It's just depressing. It's a hard season that we're living in. We feel that sense of disorientation. Or as James Hamblin wrote in The Atlantic recently, the word I keep hearing is numbness. Not necessarily sickness, but feeling ill at ease, a sort of detachment or removal from reality, sleepwalking through life, wading through a physical or mental quicksand. A recent study in the same article estimates that 50% of Americans, 50% of Americans are experiencing depressive symptoms, feelings of numbness, powerlessness, and hopelessness. We even feel it on Father's Day. You know, when I go on Father's Day to look up really corny dad jokes to annoy my children with, it's like the one day of the year that I can get away with it. You know, you know the fathers, the typical dad jokes, the one-liners, you know, dad, did you get your hair cut? No, I got them all of them cut. You know, that kind of dad joke. Well, even those now, if you search them on the internet, have a heaviness to them. What kind of tea is the hardest to drink? Reality. What's the biggest room in the world? Room for improvement. We feel this hardness and heaviness and this disorientation. And we want Jesus to reveal himself to us in the midst of this hardship, just as he did with these disciples. And here's the good news he does. He reveals himself today in the exact same way as he does in this story. And you say, come on. Exact same way? Exact same way. Because in this story, he reveals himself to his disciples as he talks with them, first of all. As he speaks with them through his words. And then the second way he reveals his presence to them is as he tables with them. Doesn't just talk with them, but then invites them to a meal, a table. And finally, we see in the story, not only does Jesus reveal himself as he talks with his disciples and as he tables with them, but that he does it for the purpose of tasking them back into mission. The reason that he reveals himself both in his speech, his word, his talking with them and at table is to send them back to the task at hand, the task at mission. And he does it exactly with us in all seasons even in the hardest ones. See, as we look at this text, we see, first of all, that Jesus reveals himself as he talks with us. See, four times in the text, there's direct speech from Jesus. Jesus speaks four times, verse 5, 6, 10, and 12. He gives fishing instructions, then he invites them to breakfast together. And as he speaks to them, he's revealing his presence. And you know what I'm going to say, right? You know, here's the pastor, right? Well, Jesus speaks to us today through his scriptures. And you say, oh, I know that's the right answer. Jesus speaks to us through the scriptures, but it's not the same thing. And yet, is it not true that as we gather and we hear God's word spoken, 
that again and again we have the opportunity to have Jesus speak to us personally. Have you experienced that in worship when you've gathered together and you've heard God's word either read through the scriptures or frankly, as the whole of the liturgy is simply the word of God appointed for prayer. Everything that we do in this liturgy is liturgical. That in those moments along the way, suddenly we start feeling like he's speaking directly to me. It's a personal encounter with God. And that's precisely what he intended because Jesus is not just speaking through the word of God, the scriptures, but he is the word himself. As John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus speaking through all of scripture, through our liturgy as we're gathered together, we hear him speak personally to us. I love that moment in Luke chapter 24, another resurrection account on the road to Emmaus. The disciples are walking. They again don't know it's Jesus. And he unpacks all the different places in scripture that point to him, the Messiah. And after he's revealed to them, what do they say to each other? They say, did our hearts not burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us along the way? That God today, Jesus speaks through his word now, presently and personally and powerfully. That's a whole other alliteration for another sermon. But he speaks to us today. And we know it is his true word because it speaks to us with conviction. It strikes us to the core of our being and then makes us live. As John Webster, the great Anglican theologian, says, To read scripture is to be slain and made alive again. This is how Jesus talks with us now. And you may say that's not my experience reading the Bible. Then I'd ask you this question. And I'd ask myself that question in in those dry seasons where reading scripture or hearing scripture or coming to church and hearing the liturgy seems to not impact in a deep way. The question is, with what expectation do we come to God's word? Do we come because it's a chore? Do we come because we think if we do it, then we're going to have some special standing with God? Like, oh, I did a holy thing today. I came to church and heard God's word. Or do we come with expectancy that God will speak in this moment? As my favorite prayer out of the prayer book says of scripture, that we would be able to hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest your holy word. Or in the words of 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, the boy Samuel in the temple, expectancy, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. I remember when I was in Ethiopia a number of years ago teaching at the Anglican seminary there, I was invited to preach at one of the local churches And as I got up to preach, I was about two minutes into the sermon and suddenly some members of the mother's union stood up and started dancing and singing right up and down the aisles. And if you're in Africa, you could recognize the mother's union by how they dress. There's a certain sort of clothing and dress. And these these are women in the community that that like commit themselves to care for widows and orphans. And it's an amazing ministry they have. And and they're dancing up and down the aisle and singing. And I kind of waited and the translator turned to me and said, they are praising God that the sermon has begun. And I leaned back to him and I said, where I come from, they praise God when the sermon has ended. (laughs) The 
question is, do we come with expectancy that God will speak, Jesus will speak to us in his word and reveal himself to us even in the midst of hardship? But not only does Jesus reveal himself as he talks to his disciples, as John can recognize him and say, oh, it's the Lord. But Jesus also reveals himself to his disciples as he tables with them. See, in verse 11 and 12, or verse 12 and 13, Jesus says, come and have breakfast. And then in verse 13, he says, we read, John reads that Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And though it's bread and fish this time, not bread and wine, the actions and the description here in John are nearly identical to the Last Supper. He took it and he gave it to them and again with the fish. And the point is not lost on these disciples. Jesus is reenacting that Last Supper moment. He's inviting them into this covenant meal, this, this meal that says, you are mine and I am yours and you belong to me. Come have breakfast. Come eat with me. Come join me at table. And friends, it is at table that we meet Jesus today, even in our hardest moments. It is at the table that he reveals himself to us. And this is why that separation from the table was so agonizing for us during that season of being closed down. And for those who still cannot yet come back to church because of underlying health conditions, continue to have that experience of being separated from the communion table. But Jesus reveals himself here. And I know for 500 years, it's always fun preaching during a, a storm. You know, there's a moment when St. Boniface was, 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 uh, was, was preaching. This is decades. How many years ago, St. Boniface? Gosh, is that like 11th century earlier? Anyway, this is a total sidebar, um, but just the thunder. He was preaching. People who are at the early service already know. I'm like, I didn't do this. Um, <laughs> But St. Boniface was like out preaching to the pagans in Germany and, um, and down came this, 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 this they, they came across this tree and they were worshiping Thor, the thunder god, around the tree. And, and Boniface, being the great missionary, just came and chopped down the tree and uh, in, right in front of him. He's like, here, here there's, there's Thor. Let's see if he strikes me with thunder. And then went and built a church with the wood and they all stood back shocked that he would do such a thing and Thor didn't come down with his mighty hammer and thunder and ruin him and that whole community around the Black Forest converted and that's why we have German Christians today. Praise be to Jesus. So just to say, you know, Thor is not bringing his thunder down on the church today. Um, Chris Hemsworth can stay where he is. Um, the, the point is communion. Communion. We've argued for 500 years in the church about how Jesus is present at this table. But here's the amazing thing. It's not the greatest miracle that Jesus is somehow specially present at this table. Do you know what the greatest miracle is? is that you and I get to be present at this table with him. Like, that's the miracle. The truest miracle of all is that we, unworthy as we are, are able to be present with him at this table. 
And we see that so clearly in the charcoal fire. Verse 9, when they arrive on the shore, what do they see? They see a charcoal fire. And, and it's not a throwaway line. It's not just the cooking implementation. It's John's way of saying, make sure you note charcoal fire. Because there's only one other place in all of Scripture where the same word for charcoal fire is used. And it's three chapters earlier. It's in chapter 18 when Peter is outside Jesus' trial, denying him three times. And we're told in verse 18 that he's warming himself with a charcoal fire. That charcoal fire is that visible reminder to Peter as he arrives on the shore. Peter, you remember that last charcoal fire. And you remember how you denied me three times. And Peter feels therefore totally unworthy to be at table with Jesus. And yet, verse 12, Jesus says, come, have breakfast. It, it, it reminds me of George Herbert's poem, Love Three. You can look it up when you go home. I'm only going to quote a piece of it. But again, it's this beautiful picture of Jesus being personified as love itself. And Herbert writes this. He says, love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but thine? Truth, Lord, I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, said I, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. And when Simone Weil, the French agnostic Jewish philosopher, read Herbert's poem, she was converted and said Christ himself came down and took possession of me. Peter knows how unworthy he is to be invited to this table, and yet he's invited. In his worst moments, in the midst of uncertainty and pain and hardship, Peter is invited to the table. Jesus reveals himself not just as he talks with them, but as he tables with them. But even more, as he reveals himself, as he talks with them and tables with them, he does it for the purpose of tasking them, tasking them for mission. See, that's what the fishing part is all about. Don't you hear this and think, haven't we heard this story before? Like earlier in the Gospels? A fishing story where they catch nothing all night, and then Jesus tells them to put nets in. And when they obey him, they have a miraculous catch of fish. And if it's jogging your memory, it's Luke chapter 5. It's when Jesus called them initially to come and follow him. In Luke chapter 5, this pretty much same story takes place. And it, it's even the same body of water. It says here in John 21, it's the Sea of Tiberias. 
In Luke 5, it's the Lake of Gennesaret, but those are both just synonyms for the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's a body of water with lots of different names. They're at the same place and the same miraculous caught nothing all nights and yet cast it on a certain side of the boat and you can't even drag the net in experience. And why is Jesus replaying it? Because he's telling them, I'm revealing myself to you as I speak with you, as I table with you for the purpose of you knowing that your original call is not done. I'm tasking you to go back into the mission field. See, Jesus doesn't show up to Peter and the disciples just to give them a nice warm feel. Like, oh, you're having a hard time. Oh, let me comfort you. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jesus, you know, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. But remember that the comfort comes not just for a personal interior experience, but to get us back on our feet, back to task, back into mission. As he says at the end of that story in Luke chapter five, verse 10, from now on, you will be fishers of men. Here in John 21, after the resurrection, he's saying, your call has not changed. You're still called to be fishers of men, and you're going to have miraculous results when you go at my request and call, and therefore bring some of the fish you just caught. He's renewing and restoring them to their task. This is why Jesus reveals himself to us. For the sake of the world. Remember when we were newly married, Monica and I were, we moved to a new town for a job I had and we therefore had to leave our church and we shopped around at a few churches and just had a hard time finding a church we connected with and we started not attending church for a while. We were newly married, I was 22 um, and we just stopped going to church. And I went through a season of really feeling very alienated from God. And finally, one Sunday, Monica sort of dragged me to church, just a local church down the street. We walked in the door, and not surprising, Jesus revealed himself powerfully in that service through the word, through the sacrament, talking with us, tabling with us. It was profound. And after the service, we went and talked to the pastor. And he said, could I come and visit? We said, okay, sure. And he came and visited us. I'll never forget what happened. I, I sat at my kitchen table, and I explained to him how just Jesus had powerfully shown up in the service. And he said, that's wonderful. And he knew I was already a Christian, but I'd had sort of a bad, hard season. And he said, that's so wonderful that Jesus met you. He said, would you preach next week? I said, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, like our midweek service. We have a Tuesday service. Would you come Tuesday and, and preach? And I said, but I just explained to you that I've been you know, sort of estranged for a while and Jesus just showed up powerfully and met me just this last Sunday. And he said, I know, why do you think Jesus did that? Just for your sake only? Jesus revealed himself to you just for you? No, he did it for the sake of the world. So will you come and preach on Tuesday? And my life has never been the same. We want Jesus to reveal himself to us in our hardest moments, just like he revealed himself to the disciples here. And friends, the gospel is that he is revealing himself today, just as he did then. As he speaks with us, talks with us, as he tables with us, unworthy as we are, and as he does all of it to task us back 
to the mission in front of us. See, the amazing thing is with church, this is what we're rehearsing every time we gather. Like every time we gather, we rehearse this again. Jesus, in this context of worship, talks to us and reveals himself in his word. Jesus, in the context of worship, tables with us in the context of his sacrament. And Jesus, in the context of worship, tasks us again for mission as he sends us back out as witnesses in this world. This is what our world desperately needs is for people to come to church to have Jesus reveal himself to them afresh each and every week, whether it's online or in person. And through word and sacrament be sent out into the world for the sake of a dark, confused, disoriented world. Jesus is revealing himself to you and me today, not for our own purposes alone, but for the sake of the world. This is why Jesus revealed himself at the Sea of Tiberias that morning. And this is why he reveals himself to us today in this place for the sake of the world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to rise as we confess what we believe in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please kneel for a time of prayer. For all people in their daily life and work, for your sake and neighbors, 
and for those who are alone. For this community, the nation, and the world. For all who work for justice, freedom, and peace. For the just and proper use of your creation. For the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression. For all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. For those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. For all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth. For Foley, our Archbishop, Todd, our Bishop, Paul, our Rector and Dean, and all our clergy and lay readers, for all who serve God in his church. Hear us, Lord, for your great grace. Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith come unto him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you from, in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to rise. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share that peace with one another directly within our own families and indirectly with others. I invite you to be seated for a few quick announcements. Again, good morning and welcome to Christ Church. First of all, just a note on the mask policy. Thank you very much for uh, continuing to respect our desire to keep this as safe a place as possible. Uh, we know we live in an age of many, many opinions on things like masks and washing and social distancing, uh, but we have made the choice to keep this as safe a place as possible for the sake of the whole community that wishes to gather. And again, that reminder from Philippians 2 that we're doing this not just for our own sake, but these acts are for the sake of others. So thank you for uh, living into that, and we are so glad more and more people are returning to worship slowly at their own timing. Now, for Father's Day, can all the dads stand up? Can all the dads stand up? Let me pray a word over our fathers this morning as we celebrate you. Father, we give you thanks that you have called the men here in this room into a call to fatherhood. Father, we know the task that is before us and ask that you would give us grace and strength and wisdom and courage and faithfulness 
as we seek to lead in our families. As well, we pray for our fathers who are not with us today and those who've already gone before us. We pray that you would bless them and we would be honoring them in their memories. And Lord, for conflicted family relationships, we do pray that there would be healing and we'd even see that in our day. Lord, in all things we pray you would strengthen our families and bless these fathers this day. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Birthdays and wedding anniversaries have, again, through this season, many have missed because they've been away. And so if you've got a birthday today or the week coming, would you stand? As well, if we missed your birthday somewhere in the time that we were shut down or away from church, would you stand as well so we can pray for you? You'll find our prayer for birthdays inside the bulletin. Watch over your children, O Lord, as their days increase. Bless and guide them wherever they may be. Strengthen them when they stand. Comfort them when discouraged or sorrowful. Raise them up if they fall. And in their hearts, may your peace, which passes understanding, abide all the days of their lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Happy birthday. And for those of you celebrating wedding anniversaries today or this week coming, or if we missed your anniversary while you were away from church, would you stand as well so we could pray God's blessing on you? Taking each other's hands in the pew, hear this prayer of blessing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, bless, preserve, and keep you. The Lord mercifully look upon you with favor and give you all spiritual benediction and grace that you may faithfully live together in this life and in the age to come have life everlasting. Amen. You may remove your masks, kiss your bride, and then put your masks right back on. <laughs> Congratulations. And finally, as we come now to the Lord's Supper, as we come to a table that we do not deserve a place at, but a table that has had a place won for us at the cost of Jesus' own life, as we come as welcome guests, uh, we come with slightly different communion practices, as many of you already know. As we come down the aisles, you'll find offering baskets at the end of the baskets where you can place your offering on the way up to communion. Or if you're giving online, uh, you can do so that way. When you come to the standing station, please place your hands together so the clergy may place the bread into your hands. And then you may come to the communion wine station where you'll be handed an individual plastic communion cup which you can take from the bottom of the cup. Once you've consumed it, you place it in the next empty tray beside it. If you do not wish to receive the wine, you can simply receive the bread. And if you do not wish to receive either element, we still invite you to come forward if you so wish. Just leave your hands crossed across your chest and we'll pray God's blessing on you. As we come to the Lord's table, we have time to prepare our hearts. And that's why this is our preparation hymn. Let us stand together as we prepare our hearts for this celebration.
Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right, our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. continue in prayer. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory, that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people, the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ, 
and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom, where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia! Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia! The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Come, beloved, all is ready.
we pray together our post-communion prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are the living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us go out singing together, In Christ there is no east or west. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.